What you are about to hear is my real, genuine reaction to last night's Bills-Jets game. Take a listen. That's it. Complete and utter shock. Speechless. I had my hands and I was sitting on my couch, facing the television, watching the Manning cast, and I just put my hands up, my eyeballs bulging out of their sockets, mouth gaping in utter disbelief. Xavier Gibson, 65-yard return touchdown to win the game for the New York Jets after Aaron Rodgers goes down on the fourth play and goes out for the rest of the game. Zach Wilson played a bad game and still led this team to a victory. Jordan Whitehead, three interceptions. Josh Allen played terrible. It was one of the most fascinating games I had ever seen. And to cap off a wild, wild week one, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this first regular season recap episode of NFL Study Hall. I'm your host, Cade Chumsland. Guys, like I said, I don't even know where to begin with this with this weekend. We are obviously going to start right now with the biggest news in not only just the NFL right now, but in global sports of the entire world, which means global, but you know what I mean. This is this is the biggest story by far, blowing up all signs of social media, no matter if you're a sports fan or not. Aaron Rodgers goes down last night on the fourth play with what looks like to be an ankle injury, potentially an Achilles tendon injury. And just this morning, we get the MRI results that it indeed, in fact, is a torn Achilles. And Aaron Rodgers will not play another down for the New York Jets in 2023. This has to be the most devastating result to one of the biggest signings in NFL history that I could ever imagine. I I feel terrible. Like, I just genuinely... I'm saddened. I, I really think that's the word that comes to mind. You just, you feel so sad. I mean, obviously for Aaron Rodgers, don't get me wrong. I mean, the guy is about to go through another surgery, another rehab. He's got to basically start his life over again physically. But you think about all those players on that team who finally had a leading quarterback that were going to, the expectations were skyrocketing for them personally Credit to that defense for never giving up and able to win that game last night. But now we'll see where this team wants to go via quarterback route. They just there's so much de- I I can't imagine how much dejection there is on that team right now for the entire New York fan base. One of the greatest fan bases, one of the biggest fan bases in the NFL right now, just with so- soaring hopes to look like they've been completely crushed in a matter of 24 hours. It's been. I, I'm sure it's tough. It's It just makes me sad. Um, and also, just look at it from a game of football perspective. You have one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history going on a team that has one of the brightest futures in the NFL right now who have high aspirations, who have a, a Super Bowl mindset right now, who have now some veteran leadership, who bring in some guys to bolster this roster, to compete for a title. And now it seems like they're going to be scrapping for a winning record potentially. It's just, it's not great for the game. It really isn't. And I think the another part is, is you can't, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't make a rule. You can't make more equipment. You can't do anything better. He literally just went down awkwardly. And honestly, he was trying to escape, 
Guy had his ankles. He kept trying to stand up and overextends his Achilles and tears it. I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. It, it genuinely is just the risk you take when you play the game. And so that's where we are at right now with the New York Jets. When Adam Schefter tweeted this morning that the MRI was official and that his Achilles was torn, he mentioned the part that his Hall of Fame inductee nomination, whatever you want to call it, his chance at the Hall of Fame is now in question as well, along with the with his future with the New York Jets because he's got a two-year contract whether he's actually going to play next year or not. But that phrase about the Hall of Fame, I don't think there's any way you can take Aaron Rodgers off the Hall of Fame. We're talking about a four-time MVP, Super Bowl winner, generational talent who comes in and shows off one of the best arms we've ever seen. And it's been very unfortunate that he hasn't been able to win in crunch time and in the playoffs, but he's had the number one seed with the green Bay Packers a gazillion times. It's just, I don't think I don't, I disagree. I disregard that last comment by Adam Schefter. I don't, I still, still don't think you can take Aaron Rodgers for, for him having this massive career that he has. He's definitely full-time first ballot hall of famer in my mind even though he hasn't won the big dance more than one time. And that one time was 13 years ago. But I still think, I still think he's got all the parts he needs. Um, and I like, and I, I like him. I, I just like what I've seen from him. Obviously he's made some poor decisions, both personally and on the field. But at the end of the day, I, I cannot see how you don't put him as a, as a first ballot hall of famer. Now his career with the jets, that's an interesting one because do you take the sign that you're old you don't have it in you anymore. Your body is frail and you can't make those plays anymore. Or do you prove everyone wrong, rehab the full 12, 18 months, whatever it takes, come back, and hopefully this roster sticks intact where you do put up another chance at a Super Bowl run. You just come back to where you wanted to be this year and you do it next year. I'm not sure where his mindset is. I mean, we saw him basically do a darkness retreat for four days this past season, decide to go to the New York Jets. Okay, well, what? Do you do another darkness retreat? I mean, he's going to be in plenty of darkness on a bed for a long time. I'm, I'm sorry, that's just how it works, but I don't know what he's going to be thinking. If I'm him, again, the reason, and for those of you who don't know me very well, I grew up playing football flag-wise played two games of tackle football for a national all-star team. We lost both games. Actually, no, we, we lost the first one, won the second one. But I played quarterback also, and I got sacked, I want to say, probably 12 times in two games. And I was sick of getting hit. I was sick of getting the wind knocked out of me. I wasn't a very mobile quarterback. I never had time to actually throw the ball. I think I completed one or two passes in two games. And I said, no, I'm done. I, I don't want to play tackle anymore. And so if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I mean, like, you don't need to go through this again. You, you've made your point. You've made your money. Um, I don't – now, again, he's a competitor. He likes proving people wrong. But I genuinely just don't think there's a need for him to come back to the New York Jets. From a team perspective, where do you go from here? Do you stick with Zach Wilson or do you try to find someone else? Now, if you stick with Zach Wilson, let's look at this. Last night, he went 14 of 21, 140 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. That is not good from a guy who came in at play number five. It's just, it's just not good, right? So there is very much an argument that the Jets are going to go out and try to sign someone else. 
Now, I don't think it's necessary that you sign someone else. Now, I don't think this team was at all revolving around Zach Wilson last year. I think Mike White was that guy until he got hurt. But Zach Wilson is just coming off a complete offseason with Aaron Rodgers as his mentor. There is a chance he could have changed. I think this decision on what quarterback you go with should be 100% determined by the players. And the coach does definitely has an input as well. But do the players believe in Zach Wilson or are they going to believe in someone else? Because they were all in on Aaron Rodgers and now he's gone. And like I said, credit to the defense last night for stepping up in a massive way and playing for Aaron Rodgers and proving everyone wrong that they are still a dominant team in this NFL. And I still think they get the right quarterback. They are going to be a contender. But who do you go to? Do the players want to stick it with Zach Wilson as their teammate for several years now? Or do they want to find someone else and find someone who's been in the bigger spotlights more often? There are plenty of options on the table, but I think that decision ultimately is up to the players themselves. But let's look at those potential options, shall we? Obviously, you got the Tom Brady. Give him a call, potentially bring him back. If I'm Tom Brady, I'm saying no way am I going through all that again, but I'm, it's always on the table at this point, right, until the day he dies. Uh, Carson Wentz, Cam Newton, Gardner Minshew, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, Matt Ryan, Josh Rosen, Colin Kaepernick, Joe Flacco, Chase Daniel, Nick Foles, Kellen Mond, Trevor Simeon, Colt McCoy, Ian Book, and Phillip Rivers are some options I've been seeing around social media lately. Out of that list, uh, I said that Jameis Winston had a lot of potential last year. He proved me dead wrong. But if you bring him in as a backup guy, Jameis Winston is an option. You probably could get him on the cheap end too. Uh, Matt Ryan could come out of retirement, although in his old age, he very much struggled as well, so I don't know if I love him. Nick Foles is a very good option. Carson Wentz, I think, is the most logical. He's the youngest. He's the most ex- He's very experienced. Uh, I think he can get behind this offense. He's mobile. I don't love the drama of Cam Newton. I don't think Andy Dalton or Gardner Minshew have it left in them. And uh, the other guys are just not as good as Zach Wilson. Right? Like I, I'm not trusting any of these other guys along with Zach Wilson. So if I'm the New York Jets, I'm asking my players, do you want to stick with Zach Wilson or should we find someone else? If they say find someone else, I'm going to Carson Wentz, Jameis Winston, and you could probably go with, uh, with Matt Ryan. I'm not sure if there's any other guys in the backup end of things uh, who would be willing to immediately trade for... Uh, for anyone on the, on for picks or anything like that. I don't think it's worth it. I don't think other teams would do it. So I'm saying Carson Wentz, Jameis Winston, or Matt Ryan for the New York Jets. And honestly, I, I love the Carson Wentz idea to bring him in and, and go at another Super Bowl run because he's he's had MVP caliber season before. He's just fallen off recently and bring Nathaniel Hackett in and let him work. I think that's that's a great option. But let's just let's go to the let's go to the game now because I mean that defense was absolutely ridiculous pressuring Josh Allen, making him make very poor decisions. I mean, like, it was not only just the defense, but Josh Allen just looked bad. We're going to get to him in a second, but but Josh Allen just looked really bad in this game. Xavier Gibson, who the heck is this kid? He is an undrafted free, undrafted free agent signing that ha- he did sign in April, but he's from Stephen F. Austin. He was a wide receiver who did do some punt returning, and he comes in, he earns his spot on the team. He actually dropped the very first punt 
of his preseason career, if you guys remember from the Hall of Fame game, the very first punt of that Hall of Fame game, this is the kid who dropped it. He obviously, I think, I think he recovered it afterwards, but he dropped the very first punt of that game. And now he, he goes through the rest of the preseason. He has some great returns. I think he averaged roughly 13 yards per return on punt returning. He comes in, earns his spot. And <laughs> over time, 65 yards. And that was, it was absolutely unbelievable. Like, like he said afterwards, he thought he was dreaming. And of course, the kid, the kid definitely earned it. But what a game. What an absolute game. Just the defense to come in from the Jets and absolutely steamroll on the Bills. To to not give up either. The heart of this defense is absolutely incredible. I, re, I commented on a tweet this morning uh, posted by Ken Levick Alive, who is the host of the Ken Levick, Ken Levick Alive show on ESPN 106.3, ESPN West Palm. Uh, go check those guys out. They're amazing. But he tweeted, what was the biggest thing, what was your biggest takeaway from last night? And I said that the Jets have the best mental game in the NFL. To lose your Hall of Fame quarterback that you have been hyping up all offseason on the fourth play of the game and play an absolute star of a Bills team and still go out there and kick them in the mouth on defense is you got to have some guts. You got to have the mental capacity to go out and still play your heart out. We saw the New York Giants, the other New York team, literally the night before get kicked in the mouth and then just give up not want to do anything anymore and the Dallas Cowboys blew them out 40 to nothing. The New York Jets said, no, we are still going to play. We still think we can win. Like the Giants, I don't think they can win anymore. The Jets still think they can win with no matter who who's at the helm. Their defense proved it last night. What a ridiculous game. 22 to 16 was the final there. Now, obviously, we've talked about the biggest story, which is Aaron Rodgers, the New York Jets, all that good jazz. If you've listened to this podcast in the past... You will know that I go game by game recaps, whether it's a long one, a short one, whatever. But I go game by game. Uh, we're not going to be doing that this year. This year, we're going to be talking about general themes, great storylines, have some competitions, have some lists. We're going to be very free flowing with it, talking about the hottest things in the NFL to come out of the previous weekend. And so we're talking about if we go to Sunday, because I think we've talked about Monday a good bit. If we go to Sunday, the biggest storyline, in my opinion, or the biggest game, was that Dolphins-Chargers game that finished at 36-34. to Not a whole lot of defense from either team until the very end there where the Dolphins were able to stuff the Chargers after uh, they missed the extra point to be only down two. But what an absolute game. I mean, just Tua Tungavailoa, who, by the way, if you notice, on my fantasy quarterback rankings... Is in the top 10, and not only is he in the top 10, I'm double-checking myself right now, but I'm almost positive he's in the top six. I absolutely called it. He's a menace when it comes. Yes, he's number six. I put to a number six when no one else did, and what does he do? He comes out and puts up 466 yards, 27, 28 fantasy points, and becomes the number one fantasy quarterback in week one. Thank you very much. I was not right a lot this week. I, in fact, I was very wrong with the majority of my picks. But the fact, it's to it's Tua, Tyreek, Jalen Waddle, uh, River Craycraft, uh, Alex Ing, Alec Ingold, uh, any of these other receivers. Braxton Berrios, I think, had a few catches in this game. That. Who is going to be a good QB if he can stay healthy, guys? 
He didn't make a lot of great decisions in this game. In fact, he fumbled the ball on the first, like on the first drive or something like that, right? But I mean, Tua, oof, Tua's gonna score some fantasy points, guys. And this this Chargers defense is not bad either. And the fact that they put up thirty six, and let's let's be honest, this whole show was kind of run by Tyreek Hill in this game. Eleven catches, two hundred, two hundred and fifteen yards and two scores. It was kind of like the Dolphins wouldn't really do anything. Their run game was nowhere to be found. Raheem Mostert, 10 carries for 37 yards and a touchdown. Just run game was nowhere. But it's like, fail, fail, fail. Ah, ah screw it. Let's just chuck it to Tyreek Hill. Like, that's just what they did. Let's just go to the cheetah. One-on-one, I don't care. On, two was on the run making these throws. It was absolutely ridiculous. The Miami Dolphins have an unbelievable passing game. And in my opinion, as long as Travis Kelsey is sidelined, and even if Travis Kelsey is in the game, you could make the argument that the, that the Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins, have the best passing team in the National Football League. Now, their defense needs a lot of work. Herbert was definitely having his way throughout the second half until the very end where he couldn't get some stuff to go down. But, I mean, Herbert was definitely able to score... Uh, Austin Eckler had 117 yards rushing. The Chargers have a really good team. And and I honestly thought this this Miami defense would help out a little bit more. That pass rush finally came in at the end when they finally just decided to blitz. I don't know why Nick Fangio wasn't blitzing more there at the end. But they blitzed. They were able to catch him off guard, get some sacks there. It was really fun to watch, obviously, as a, as a slight Dolphins fan. But what a game. And the, now, now here's the thing. Depending on who the Jets get at quarterback and with how bad Josh Allen looked against the Jets and with how amazing this Dolphins offense looked, you could very much make an argument. In fact, I could make the argument right now that the Jet, the Dolphins are now the best team in the AFC East. Because I had the Jets at number one and the Dolphins at number two. Now that Rodgers is gone, I mean, why a healthy Dolphins team, why couldn't they be number one? So I think that's a huge development there. For the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, it, it was a tough L, but you're, at least your offense is scoring throughout a game. I mean, the last game you all played, you didn't score except three points in the second half against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this one, you put up 17 points in both the first half and the second half. It really came down to stopping Tyreek Hill, and they didn't do it. Sometimes they did, and they got a pick on Tua. So sometimes they did stop Tyreek, but if they didn't, oh, oh, they paid for it. Oh, they very much paid for it. So overall, I'm not too concerned with the Los Angeles Chargers. In fact, I didn't love how the Broncos played. I didn't love how the Raiders played, and I didn't love how the Chiefs played without Travis Kelsey. So you could also now make an argument that the Los Angeles Chargers are the best team in the AFC West. It was an absolutely unbelievable, freakishly good game. It was probably the best of the weekend, maybe outside of last night's game because of last night's finish. But what a game that one was there. Next thing I want to talk about is the general vibe of the weekend where there were so many teams that did not meet expectations. And there were other teams that over exceeded, over succeeded in their expectations. And let's talk about the ones that came out and dominated and proved that they're the best or proved that they're here in 2023. And the first one to me, obviously, is the San Francisco 49ers. 
And I mentioned how in the regular season, Brock Purdy led his team with six straight, two six straight games where they scored 30 points or more. And what happens when they go against the Pittsburgh Steelers? They scored 30 points. Thank you very much. Also, a lot of people coming out here and saying this Pittsburgh Steelers team is going to be a playoff team. No, they are not. Playoff teams score more than just seven points. And I mean, at least the Seattle Seahawks scored more than seven points in their playoff game against the 49ers. Pittsburgh Steelers did not look good. Now, that defense was still able to put pressure on Brock Purdy. You saw, I think T.J. Watt had three sacks, two forced fumbles, something like that. I mean, he's a menace out there. But when Christian McCaffrey runs for like 152 yards and Brandon Ayuk has 129 reception yards and Brock Purdy just has a very solid, clean game, there is nothing stopping this 49ers team. They are just the most complete all-around. It doesn't matter if they go down one play. They'll they'll go up there and they'll put up more yards in the next play. I don't really see a team outside of a completely healthy, with Chris Jones, with Travis Kelsey, Kansas City Chiefs, that can stop this team. I think the defense would be able to shut down the Miami Dolphins offense a little bit more. I think that offense can score on any defense because the Pittsburgh Steelers had a respectable defense. I just, I was, I was so excited because not only was I correct in saying that the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't a playoff team, I'm excited to see Brock Purdy come back after a devastating injury and be the fun self that he is. Also, I just read this morning from a tweet my dad sent me that uh, Brock Purdy actually said one time, quote, I believe that Jesus Christ did come down and died for my sins and rose again and that he is living and sitting beside God on the throne. So I just became the number one Brock Purdy fan because, that, I mean, that just basically says he's a Christian and a brother in Christ. So uh, shout out to my bro Brock Purdy over here. I'll see you in the, the pearly gates. But just, oh my goodness. I'm I'm so excited. I'm so excited to see what this young 49ers team can do. And the Steelers are a great team, but they just... They're not a playoff team. Sorry, guys. Uh, the second team that really blew me away, obviously, was the... And I've said, obviously, a, a bunch of times today. Sorry, guys. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, 40 to nothing. Are you kidding me? 40 to nothing? Now, I want to get more excited about this. I, I truly, truly do. But I think this game was just the correct realization that Daniel Jones is not worth his money. I think that's just the truth. I said this back when that whole contract dispute was happening. That fully guaranteed massive contract needed to go to Saquon Barkley because he runs this team. Daniel Jones is not that guy. 15 of 28, 104, two interceptions. The Cowboys have a good defense, but they're they're still just a defense. You, you got to be able to put up more points than that. You got to be able to keep track of the ball better 104 yards and two interceptions come on man come on and then the whole team just completely like deflated depressed didn't want to do anything anymore there's no dog in this team there's no fight Daniel Jones is not that guy Saquon Barkley is sick of being there they they won't they can't play against the Cowboys they won't be able to play against the Eagles they can't compete in their division. Now we've got other teams like the Packers coming up in the NFC uh, NFC North. 
who could, and the Rams are back in the NFC West, who can make some stabs at these teams for those wild card spots. And I don't know if the Giants can make it anymore. In fact, did I have them in my, I don't even know if I had them in my final uh, predictions earlier this, earlier last week, but man, it was just, ah, so sad to see. And, and credit to that Dallas defense, man. They did, they did not give up. They wanted, they wanted in and they got it. So Cowboys forced to be reckoned with. Um, and I just, uh, alluded to them a second ago, but my other big time winner for this past week was the Green Bay Packers, a 38 to 20 victory over the Chicago Bears. Their defense is legit. Jordan Love played a very solid, clean game. And I and I said this last week when I was going to pick this game. I picked the Bears because that's what I picked earlier in the summer. But after seeing Jordan Love in the preseason, after hearing how well this defense does, and I think, I mean, I'm going to just confess, I was very persuaded by Dan Orlovsky when he was making these huge claims about playoff team, division contender, all these things about how Jordan Love is the next man. Jordan Love's going to be a top six, top seven quarterback next year. I'm not going to go far as to say that, but there was a lot of hype around this Packers team just before this season started, and they came out here and in the second half put up 28 points and blew me away. They definitely are contenders. They're here to play. Jordan Love, if he can keep playing safe and being smart with the ball, unlike a lot of quarterbacks we saw this week. I mean, like, you saw so many guys like Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, just not good with handling the football, whether just, like, physically holding it and fumbling or throwing bad passes. Jordan Love was patient, waited for his guys to be open. His offensive line was fantastic, and he was able to make things work. Really love what I'm seeing from the Green Bay Packers, and I'm going to think a lot differently about them this season. Let's talk about some teams that, did not meet expectations this year, this past week. Just completely lost all control of winning anything. And the first that comes to mind is the Cincinnati Bengals, who lost 24-3 to against their division rival Cleveland Browns. Now, granted, Joe Burrow has only beaten the Browns once in his career. The Browns just simply have his number. So I think there is that to say. But when Joe Burrow goes 14 of 31 for 82 yards and and Jamar Chase only has 39 yards, there is a genuine problem. To allow the Cleveland Browns to have 24 points, no big deal. But to completely get blindsided on this defense and have Miles Garrett have his way with everyone on that offensive line is unacceptable. Joe Burrow is slightly injured. I understand that. But you can't just get walked on in week one, and I feel like that's just what kept happening. Cleveland Browns, I saw a post earlier this morning also where a team had the Cleveland Browns as like the seventh best team in the NFL. Now, shut up. Stop talking. They're not. They're not even close. They beat up on a weak Bengals team that didn't want to come to play. Uh, nothing, nothing in this showed me that the Cleveland Browns are the seventh best team in the NFL. There's, there's so many other teams that I could, that I could put on that list. that will be the seventh best team in the NFL. Yes, they won big, but no, absolutely not. They, they beat up on a division rival. No way. The second team is the Minnesota Vikings who lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20 to 17. Kirk Cousins has two or three fumbles. 
plus an interception in this game. Justin Jefferson obviously went off, but the Minnesota Vikings now have zero run game at all, and it's just bad. They had their highest rusher was Alexander Madison, who went 11 for 34. The rest of the team had six carries for seven yards. Minnesota rushing went 17 of 41 the entire ball game. That's pathetic if you want to compete in the NFL. You just have to have, and I know the Dolphins didn't have a great passing game either, but I mean, I, I mean credit to, credit to, uh, why am I forgetting the rookie's name from USC? Someone help me. Jordan Addison. Thank you. Jordan Addison. Credit to Jordan Addison for having a solid game and a big touchdown. Credit to Justin Jefferson for going out and doing his thing. But Kirk Cousins did not look good in in this one. I mean, it just the Minnesota Vikings are now trying to work behind the Green Bay Packers, and those games will be very interesting. And the Detroit Lions, who also beat the Kansas City Chiefs. As for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield, my roommate described Baker Mayfield as a coin toss. And in the first half, they lost the coin toss. And in the second half, they won it. He just became that guy in the second half. Bulldozing people, giving that stiff arm to that one cornerback. Making plays happen, scrambling, throwing the ball, tight lasers of the football. He still has an arm to him. Made a great touchdown to Mike Evans late in this one. Mike Evans was getting targeted zero times at all in the first half. Finally got his reps in the second half. Was able to make a big impact. That defense started rallying around their team. Getting pressure on Kirk Cousins. You look at the games in the rest of the AFC South. The Falcons and Panthers had a really ugly matchup. And the Saints were barely able to beat the Tennessee Titans. Just because of their good defense. I got to say that Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the favorite right now in the AFC South if Baker Mayfield can keep playing smart and keep playing aggressive. Minnesota Vikings, whole lot of things to work on. Let's go over to another team in the NFC North, the Detroit Lions, and the team that really just did not do good is the Kansas City Chiefs. They lost 21-20. to By the way, I want to say granted, but I feel like I've used that word. My vocabulary is very weak today. Kansas City Chiefs threw a pick six in this one because it went right through the hands of Kadarius Toney into the Lions player who took it back. This game was more like 20-14 to 14 in favor of the Chiefs. I feel like the Chiefs should have won this one. Their defense stepped up surprisingly in the way, in, uh, in light of, there's my terminology. I'm working on it, guys. I'm working on it. In light of Chris Jones, who just confirmed his deal yesterday. So, Chris Jones is going to be back for the Kansas City Chiefs, and hopefully that'll help, and maybe Travis Kelsey will be back, and we'll be back to our old Kansas City Chiefs. The thing that shocked me, though, was the lack of offensive productivity when Travis Kelsey was on the sideline. Travis Kelsey cannot be that big of your team. You mean, you just lost Tyree Kill the other year and won a Super Bowl. Can you guys lose Travis Kelsey, too, and become the worst team in football or something like that? It's, it's unbelievable to think about. Mahomes just... He didn't have anywhere to turn to. And this is also where you think about their draft they just had. They didn't go out and really draft any star receiving players, no tight ends or anything like that from the first or second rounds. And it really hurt them because there was no rock they could go to. 
Valdez Scantling wasn't open. Kadarius Tony was open, just couldn't catch the ball. He had three straight up drops in this game, and another drop from another player. Four drops, most by Patrick Mahomes in a single, most with a team with Patrick Mahomes in a single game. Their rushing attack, Isaiah Pacheco, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. The Lions were all over that, forcing Mahomes to keep passing the ball, and there was nowhere for him to go to. It was just really tough for the Chiefs. I'm not too concerned with them because they're going to have all of their guys back and they should be able to get up to form. But Lions, solid defense. Definitely have some things to work on the offense. I love Jameer Gibbs. Holy cow, that guy's fast. Holy smokes, that dual threat running back system with David Montgomery, who had a solid game himself, and then Jameer Gibbs? Whoa. Whoa. Gibbs could very well be the number one running back in a few weeks, but I don't necessarily disagree with keeping it in a dual set because Gibbs is not very big, but he is one of the fastest guys, one of the quickest guys to accelerate out of the backfield that I've seen in a while come out of a rookie. Loved what the Lions were doing on offense. A few more teams to go through that I thought were really disappointing. Obviously, the Buffalo Bills. I've already mentioned them, so I won't sit on them for too long. Josh Allen, three interceptions and a fumble. Really crumbled at the end. Their offensive line wasn't there. Von Miller is was on the is on the PP, PUP on the pup list. So he's out for four weeks. He'll come back on week five if he's available. So that really hurt their defense. Granted, this is another thing where it's like the Bengals where this is a division rival that they just struggle with. They lost to them. They, I think they lost to them last year with Mike White. And they've, all re- they've always never been able to score a ton of points. So I still think the Bills will be good. I said they wouldn't be as good as last year, and they sure don't. And they can't play their division. They can't play their division rival either. I, I mean, I, I, I love what my prediction is at 11-6, and six, I think I have for the Buffalo Bills. It's not looking great for them, but it's again, it's a division rival. Uh, how about the Baltimore Ravens? Now, I'm putting them on here, even though they won 25-9 to over the Texans. Lamar Jackson said before this year that he wants to throw for over 5,000 yards. He played the Houston Texans and only put up 169. Houston held Lamar Jackson, a gloating Lamar Jackson, to 169 yards passing and 38 yards receiving. That's amazing from a Texans fan. Now, our offense stinks like crazy. C.J. Stroud did not look good. Damian Pierce had no production. Offensive line still, still. How many times, how many times does it take a fan base, analysts, everyone to explain that your offensive line is terrible? I forget Laramie Tunsil. Forget him. I, I looked at my phone one time. False start. Learn me, Tunsil. You're a freaking pro bowler. Stay on the line. It's unbelievable. But that defense is definitely great. They've got some rushing defense in the red zone to work on. But I think they were just, I mean, they honestly just tired. The, the Baltimore Ravens held the ball. Not for too much longer. But, like, I, I just, when you watch your offense play so bad, there's not much you can do on the defense. To hold the Baltimore Ravens to 25 points, I thought was absolutely fantastic. And especially to hold Lamar Jackson to what they did, I thought that was great as well. So Baltimore Ravens are definitely going to need some work in the passing game. They were without Mark Andrews in this one, and Odell Beckham Jr. definitely wasn't 100%. Zay Flowers with nine receptions and 78 yards had a decent game. 
called it. I was hoping he had a better game, honestly, but it'll do. He's still a guy. I like him a lot. And uh, yeah, they got some worm to work on. And then the final one, guys, we're running out of time, so I'm trying to hurry it up a little bit. Las Vegas Raiders versus the Denver Broncos. The Broncos still can't score. The Broncos still can't score. 16 points against the Las Vegas Raiders. Still having no rush game. Javante Williams, 13 carries, 52 yards. Uh, Aaron, like Russell Wilson threw the ball 34 times. Completed 27 passes. Think about that. Completed 27 passes. How many yards? 177. Do the math, ladies and gentlemen. That means... Every he averaged five point two yards a throw. You have to work to have a stat line that bad. You really have to work. That means play calling is bad. That means receivers aren't getting open downfield. Their offense still can't make anything happen. The Raiders played about as well as I thought. Jimmy Garoppolo did all right. The Broncos defense stepped up and only held him to 17 points. But the Broncos still can't score, and I don't I don't know where to put it at this point, guys. I it's just so depressing. And you might be seeing another Broncos team that's last in the AFC West, picking up one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, picking up a great head coach, and they still there's no winning culture in Denver right now. Even though Sean Payton is trying his hardest on the discipline and stuff like that, this team this team just can't win. And it's, it's really sad to see. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for our week one recap. Make sure to tune in on Thursday noon, coming out with the week two picks. That's going to be our system for this entire year. Tuesday recap at noon, Wednesday or Thursday preview at noon. We might have some special episodes in between us there as, as the year goes on. But again, talking big storylines talking huge predictions it's going to be an amazing amazing year thank you guys so much for tuning in i promised a youtube video last week i apologize for not letting that uh come out i don't believe it's going to come out this week I'm trying my hardest just to stay afloat with school and this podcast and everything going on so i'll let you know when i for sure have the next youtube video coming out i apologize for that one as well but enjoy the rest of your day have a great week and i will talk to you thursday peace out